to the Sojourn Church podcast. We are glad you are here, and thanks for listening. As a church, we exist to exalt and enjoy the supremacy of Jesus Christ in all things, equip the saints, and extend the gospel to all people by reproducing disciples and churches for the glory of God. More information about the life and mission of Sojourn Church can be found at SojournTulsa.org. That's S-O-J-O-U-R-N Tulsa.org. This week we're going to be um, continuing this idea in, Jan- in January that I try to bring out, just this idea of what matters most or, or maybe um, this idea of just faithfulness. What does faithfulness look like? And so last week um, we looked at that idea of faithful, a year of growing in faithfulness um, or empty idolatry. And when we looked at that idea that coming from Deuteronomy, from God's very own heart, that um, not only in Deuteronomy but also in the, the Ten Commandments that God was saying, I am the number one. Um, I have to be number one in, in your affections because I'm number one in my affections. And that's not because God is um, some egotistical person. It's because for God to allow anything to be up there equal with him would be God being an idolater. That would be God saying something else is equal to me. So he, he just, that's who he is. And so he says, the best thing I could offer you is myself. And so we looked at those uh, commands, the, the, the great commandment in the New Testament just, just completely agrees with what we saw earlier, earlier in the Old Testament where he says, um, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so um, that, that moving to that second part of loving your neighbor as yourself. We also looked at Psalm 1611, where I kind of tried to posit to you that um, God is saying, in him we find our greatest joy and satisfaction. Like that first song that we sang, um, you're, you're the, the greatest thing for us. You are the only one that I want to live for. And so um, you make known to me the path of life. When I'm in your presence, that's when I discover the path of life. And what we do is we think that I already know my path for my life. Now God, come and bless it. You come and make my path happen. And no, no, in you I find. And he goes, hey, sharp right turn. That's not the path. There's some bumps that you're going to hit. That's the path I've chosen for you. There's some caves you're going to be in. That's the path. He says, you make known to me. In following you, I find the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. When we're trying to fill our lives with all kinds of things to bring in happiness and joy, and they never satisfy, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So as we consider this first month of 2022, Thinking through that idea of what matters most. I'm submitting to you that loving God is first place, and then um, that's what matters most. And and the person that truly does that, who understands that the greater depth of that would begin to love others in the same way that we are obsessed with ourselves. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, um, love others. Um, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The same way you're so obsessed with yourself and love for yourself, you should treat others that way. And so faithful and loving others, this kingdom life. And so the next three weeks, I'm going to flesh out a little bit more about what the kingdom life looks like um, in this idea of faithfulness. But today, before we say, hey, let's take steps into that kingdom life and some practicals of that and thinking through those, first of all, just saying, are you really living for the kingdom? The first question on the table is, is it a yes or a no on the table? Are you okay with saying, God, I'm going to live for your kingdom no matter what, whatever that cost is. So your yes needs to be on the table. You don't get to say, hey, show me what that looks like first. And then if, if I agree with eight out of ten things that you're calling me to, then I may say yes to the kingdom. And so um, I want us to be aware of that idea, but also um, today I want you to consider whether you're really living for his kingdom or are there ways that we're actually living for self and we're just trying to Christianize it. We've got Jesus tucked in our back pocket for that, that one, one day that we may meet him in judgment and go, oh, no, remember, uh, I was at camp and I, I prayed this prayer, bowed my head, and, and, and so I get salvation, right? And there's just literally tens of millions of people in churches and in America that, that have false belief. 
And so he's going to hit hard on that in the section we're hitting today. But I want you to consider that. And I want, hopefully, that will reveal some lies and like that song that we just sang. Man, you rescue me from even my lies to myself. Even after you've been saved and walking with the Lord, there's self-deception going on all the time. And he will rescue you from your own lies. He will rescue you from your own shadows, from your own self-deception, even with good intentions. So um, I'm going to read Luke chapter 12, um, verses 13 through 34. So, um, yes, Luke 12. And so this is a very well-known section. So if you want to read along with me. Luke chapter 12, 13 through 34. Someone in the crowd said to him, so you have this person who just kind of speaks up as as Jesus has been teaching. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Sounds like a legitimate ask. Here's a guy who's full of justice, right? So, hey, Jesus, tell my brother. He's supposed to divide the inheritance. That would be fair. That would be just. Jesus said to him, man, Who made me judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to him, take care. Be on your guard. Be aware of against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store all my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I'll store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, notice the my's there, my grain, my crops, my soul. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for you for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared Whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself is, and is not rich toward God. And he said to his disciples, therefore, so you have to see that there's a connection between these two. Jesus went straight into that saying, therefore, based off that same idea, either living for self or being rich toward God, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Because that's a normal thing. That sounds crazy, God, of not being concerned about our lives not being concerned about inheritance. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you're not able to do as a small, a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father, he knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So Father, we come to you asking for you to bring us those beautiful gifts of conviction, conviction from the Holy Spirit, the gifts of repentance and confession. And then that you would lift up our gaze if we're convicted, feeling condemned, feeling shamed, that you would lift up our gaze and and remind us in the gospel that we have the righteousness of Christ, that we are forgiven, that you would bring renewal to our soul. 
through that, the gift of renewal, and that we would begin to learn to rest in what Christ has done and not what we're trying to do, that we would rest in the accomplished purposes of redemption that you authored and you provided for us, and that that would turn into great rejoicing, that renewal would turn to rest, would turn to rejoicing and praise and worship because of all that we've seen you done, that you've done. We pray that that would not only be for us this morning, that, that you would be with the churches around us, whether that's a First Baptist, Broken Arrow. Father, would you let the gospel go out clearly from our friends over there, that people would be brought into the kingdom, that the, the congregation and, and the believers there would live out the kingdom, that First Baptist downtown would be a place where the gospel is going out clearly, that you would use the people of that church to see the kingdom spread because the king has come and brought people into his kingdom, that the campuses around here, whether it's New Beginnings, whether it's uh, Battle Creek, whether it's um, the, the churches that are right down the road, Southside Baptist, Life Church, Victory, that the gospel would go out clearly and that you would redeem a people that you would save a people that are not worthy, that couldn't have made it in, and that you would use the body of Christ locally here to expand your kingdom, and that would spread and get the gospel to places that have never heard the gospel. We thank you for your truth. Would you now bring those gifts? In your name we pray, amen. So um, this idea that Jesus is revealing here, um, I would put it like this. So you guys, if you don't, if you don't have kids that are a little bit older, you may not be aware of this. Some of you are aware of this thing. Um, so, and, and I call it the shimmy. And so um, the shimmy. And so some of you are like, oh, man, what is this? And so um, my life versus the shimmy. This is what Jesus is kind of bringing out here. So this is uh, Jesus is revealing that you're so obsessed with your life, more obsessed than you even realize um, you tend to worry and think most about and plan and diligently serve your life. Relax, eat, drink, be merry, right? Jesus is saying, you're doing that. It wasn't just to this guy, right? You understand that, that that one guy that brought that up about the inheritance, Jesus wasn't just going, hey, you're the only one in the history of the earth that, that I'm applying that to. And so we usually go like, oh, that's not me. I mean, that wouldn't be me. He's going, you people, crowd, you're doing it. The present crowd that he was talking to, you're constantly, constantly doing it. Even if it's not, relax. Just sit back in a recliner. Eat delicacies, because that crowd didn't even know. There were, some of them were going, what? we don't get to eat all we want. As Americans, we do. I mean, obviously I don't, but some of you do. And so relax. Just kick back and ease. Eat whatever you want. Drink oh, uh, alcohol. We can't, we can't even go there like because th those people. And so be married. Live life just with no cares, right? But he's saying you're constantly doing that. And, and remember, um, we may have grown up in this, this, this part of life where uh, maybe you grew up in the church where when this, this section, it's kind of like with the prodigal God story um, where the, the younger son, the story was all, the sermon was always about that horrible, pitiful son who, who went off and did pitiful things. And as soon as we resolve that part, he comes back, the father hugs him, you know, has the feast and amen. Aren't you glad that God would be so good to such pitiful people out there who are not like us? Amen. Missed the whole point of the story, right? And so then um, this story would be the same. Like, relax, eat, drink, be merry. Those pitiful people out there. So growing up, I heard sermons that it's talking about those people, that God would be such a loving God that he would even be good to people like that. Like this guy in the story. Jesus knows this guy's like that. And what I'm saying is, Jesus is going, you're like that. You're constantly doing this. It's about your life more than you imagine. But instead of living your life, Jesus is saying, I call you to live for something higher, for my kingdom. He says, seek first his kingdom, and all these things are going to be added to you. And Jesus has even greater news. So you've pursued all these other things that have left you empty and unsatisfied, but I'm telling you to seek the kingdom and great news. What does he say right after? Hey, I've got even better news, that it's your father's pleasure to give it to you. So he's not telling you to go and after, go and pursue something or seek something that you may or may not find. It's actually the Father's pleasure to give it to you. And then the question is, am I seeking the kingdom? 
And in place of living for the kingdom, as I've prescribed for you, um, let me give you an idea of what, what this shimmy means. So, so a shimmy, so that you may not know, it, it, it's a juke, like a fake. So someone, someone's got a ball, so it's football or it's soccer, it's basketball. And so um, you guys, I've got kids who, you know, this, this, they've grown up and grown up and grown up. And so all of a sudden you're, you're watching these videos on your TV and it's YouTube. And so there's entire tournaments now, basketball tournaments. It's not about who the best team is that scores and dominates people and scores the most points and, and the, the highest points wins. Guess what it's about? It's about one or two guys who have the best move that when they put a move on and the guy guarding him falls down, they call it broke his ankles. He broke his ankles. Dude, he, he made him touch the ground like you're playing defense. And if the guy shimmies you so much or you know, broke his ankle, the guys will literally kind of like touch the ground. Like, dude, bro, he, he touched the ground. And what's crazy, here, here's our team and they're getting beat by 40. But if our guy makes that move, the crowd goes crazy. Like they just went like, who cares? Oh, y'all, y'all killed us by 40. But dude, what they talk about, dude, he made, he broke your ankles. And they I have short versions of it, just ankles. They'll just say ankles. Broke ankles, like all this stuff. So, and so the shimmy, that was, that was my, my generation, was just the shimmy. Um, it's this idea of making a move, making a lot of movement one way, and you're trying to fake this person out, when actually you're going to go in this other direction. And what I want to submit to you is, we think that we're breaking God's ankles. A lot of times we're, we're making these movements, kind of thinking we're faking him out. I'm doing this stuff, but really, I'm just pursuing life. And so I want you to see this in this parable that Jesus is laying out here. Jesus says, seek the kingdom. And what do we do? Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And remember, where the crowd goes, oh, no, no, that's those pitiful people. That, that doesn't really apply to me. That's not me, right? For some people, that may be the, you know, the, the old-fashioned sermon. So that's the person who shows up to church, and they smile. How are you doing? Good to see you. Glad you're here. Good to see you. They're a deacon. They're, a, they're, a, they're the, the guys wearing the coats. They're the ones passing the plate. They're, they're, they're teaching the kids' class. But yet all week long, they're greedy for gain, lusting after the next big thing. So in your 20s, that next big thing is, man, when I finally get that job that actually pays, like I, I thought that you know, college would, or, or hard work would like, kind of land us this, and it just hadn't yet. And so maybe if I change routes and I kind of go this way, then finally life will stabilize and we'll have this kind of life and, and we'll have this kind of house and, and some security, and then we'll have kids. And so that next step, that, that next step, and then your 30s, then you get to your 40s. And then, um, so yesterday I had to go in into the Walgreens, and literally I'm sitting there thinking through um, all these commercials that come on and how many of these are starting to apply to me. And then I'm going, man, I'm spending all my time running my boys from place to place to place to place to place. And before long, it's going to be like eight or 10 years of that. And then I'm, I'm going to be in the next part of my life. The next sequence is just going from doctor's appointment to the pharmacy because that's what these people are doing. That's all they do. That's all my mom, dad, all, all my dad did, my grandparents. And so like you go from um, kind of like your busyness of your life just for your kids or for your family. And the next thing you know, it's doctor appointment, pharmacy, doctor appointment, pharmacy. And it doesn't look fun. They're, they're hobbling. They're coming in slowly. It's freezing cold. And most of us think, well, that won't be me, but it's going to be you, right? And so as I'm sitting there looking at that, it, it's not the people who are just living just horrendously for licentiousness. It, it's people um, that are teaching a Sunday school class for five years in a row of second grade boys, and then on a Sunday, you hear a blow up, and you get there, and they go, oh, Stan's not here. Yeah, he, he left his wife and kids for an old flame on Facebook. What? What happened? That didn't just happen in a moment. There was a, a gradual coldness of heart. There was deception in his heart going on. He was being self-deceived. So again, maybe not us. Maybe we're not doing those horrible things, right? Like, like the old sermons. But is there a chance that we are so busy pursuing life and living life and even going through the motions of Christianity but still not pursuing the kingdom? We give God the shimmy trying to fake him out. So we, we try to give God the shimmy in lots of ways, meaning we make a movement in one way and, and make it look like we're all about his work and we think we're maybe faking him out and it's really just all about my life. And so what I mean by that, we think he's falling for it, that he's breaking his ankles. Many things could be fake movements or shimmies to get us out of living for the kingdom. What's crazy in all this effort and methodical steps, 
What do we get in return? You think you're doing these shimmies and that God's falling for it. And what does he do? Does he come and slap you? What does he do? The Lord is gracious. I see that. You're not faking me. You're not playing hide and seek. I see through your heart. The too much you, you, you thought started thinking in that process before you started taking action steps towards that thing, I, I knew it was motivating your heart. I know you're not satisfied. You haven't really given me the shot, but, but you're, you're being lied to about all these things. You're still staying busy. I, I, I see that. Lord is gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love towards you. I, I just love you. I just, I'm going to keep blessing your life. He's good to all in the middle of that. And we think we're giving him the shimmy. We think we're breaking his ankles. So in this section in Luke here, when he says, um, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions, and at the end he says, I, I will say to my soul, so you have laid up ample goods for many years, so relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Now it seems like Jesus is just trying to be rude to the guy, right? Because notice, remember what Jesus said? Hey, who, who am I to judge? Well, Man, I've watched you for a while. You seem to be a pretty compassionate guy. You seem to be a guy who understands justice, who wants justice. I'm just bringing a life situation up, Jesus. This, is, this matters in life. And notice what Jesus goes to. He doesn't go to just you know, the, the situation that the guy's talking about. He goes to a heart issue. And he brings out covetousness. And so Jesus sees through to the core of hearts. This guy's not after justice, is he? He wants it for me, 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 my life, my life. And Jesus tells the parable, actually what you're wanting was relax, eat, drink, be merry. Jesus is all too aware of our intensely focused self-preservation. Just one aspect of that is covetous. He could have done a whole bunch. If you go back to the context of the, the whole parable there, um, Jesus had just told these beautiful stories about how God was so much in love with us, and this guy misses all that and interrupts him and, and says, hey, would you make it, make it straight with me, my brother? He owes me some stuff. Did, did you miss all I've just been talking about? That the Father loves you incredibly. They hear these hypocrites, these Pharisees that have messed up the teachings about God. And you missed all that and missed all that. Me, 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 Jesus, fix this. I, I, I want to relax. I want to eat and drink and be merry. And again, we think, well, that's probably just that guy. Soul, relax, eat, drink, be merry. If you grew up in church, like I said, that there's, there's, a, there's a whole idea about that, that that's those people out there. And we want to take that literally. So if that's not me in those categories, then I think that I'm clear. Jesus wouldn't be speaking to me. So the point of the sermon was not a good moral list message. If you do those things at the end, God's going to judge you and send you to hell, you fool. What if instead of relax, it's I work really, really hard? Anyone? We like that, don't we? You don't understand? I work really, really Hard. Instead of eat, I diet, I exercise, I watch what we're eating, very concerned about those things. Drink, oh no, no, I would never do that. That's those drunken people over there. We, we abstain, we prohibit ourselves from everything. Caution in all areas because if we were to ever even get close to something, well then that, that could, do, could lead to something. What if we partook of something that wasn't sin, but what if even just partaking? So you know what? We're going to isolate. We're going to keep away and prohibit ourselves in all things. So that's not me. And be merry. Just in all those things, guess what you're doing? You're seeking the same idea of happiness. You're looking for fulfillment. You're looking for happiness. So it may not be that you're in diet and exercise. It may not be that you're a drunken guy on the couch, but you're doing it. And Jesus is going, this applies to you. You're doing it in different ways. The, the point is that all of us do it in different ways. So God said to him, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, so what have you gathered up in this life? Five seconds into eternity. How helpful is that going to be? The reality is your life is a vapor. 
who haven't lived trying to be rich toward God. There's this idea that we can live our lives the way that we want to, for the things we want to, working for, expecting, and enjoying the fruit of our labors, and it's ingrained in all of us. Uh, Think about it. This type of person, man, um, that has, has worked for, they've kind of set out a plan, and then they've taken the steps, and it's become successful. Think through that. We kind of want to be around them. We kind of want to learn from them. Um, that person is looked at with wisdom, intelligence, hard work, success. Maybe the exact type of person that you're trying to become. Jesus goes, I see through it. Soul, your, your deepest part, relax or work hard or impress others. Justify what you're doing. I see through it all. I see what's going on. It does not mean that any person who has wealth cannot be rich towards God. But, but, but the depth of significance for us in this matter of living for self versus living in the richness of God should have us continually aware of our heart's tendency. Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, 9, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which Drown men in destruction and perdition. Be honest with yourself. No self-deception. You ever have desires to be rich? Do you know what it's like moving from Tahlequah and the Sticks to South County, Tulsa, where we're in Bigsby, where every house that we took our kid to, we, I mean, literally, I was like, I may come over here at night and, and like suffocate them and bury them somewhere and just live here for three to four months and maybe no one will know. At least we'll have three or four months of just, it is, that, that's how nice this place is. And so then we, we come here and then it's even more so that the houses and the places and all those things. And so that doesn't mean that a person is evil because they have, that's Jesus' message is not if you have goods. So there's a guy over here laying bricks for $12 an hour. There's a guy over here who's treating patients for $400 an hour. That's not, that guy's wrong, but both of those guys, the guy laying bricks for $10 an hour could be so jealous and so greedy for gain and so greedy and lusting after riches. And the guy who's living for, um, living in, in lots of plenty doesn't mean he may have a heart that is so generous you have no idea how much they give away. And he, he uses his wealth to bless others and to, to free up his time to work on the kingdom stuff. So it's not a point of just that. Jesus connects this idea of warning through this parable to let us know that he knows we will constantly be concerned about the things of this life. So notice that therefore in that that verse. And he said to his disciples in verse 22, therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, or about your body, what you'll put on. Life is more. And, And look where we go. No, no, it's not. I have to worry about these things. Now we get to see the connection but you must see Jesus' intent is much broader here also. In the same way with the first guy, relax, eat, drink, be merry. It, it's much broader than just those literal words. He was saying, in all kinds of ways you do this. You're living for self. In the same way, this is much broader. It's not just about those basic essentials. He's not just saying um, some people worry about food and some people worry about dress. And for all of us, we probably go, I don't really worry about food or dress. I'm out. That doesn't apply to me, right? And Jesus is connected those to go, in the first one, yes, it does apply to you. And in this one, he's going to, going to go to the bottom. And what does he say? Where your treasure is, what your heart is really in love with, pursuing, and joyful trying to get, it's captured by that. And some of you are self-deceived. Some of you are living for this, You think you put a juke on me. You think you broke my ankles. You thought you did all this righteous works, thinking it looks good, and your heart is so far. And all of it feels good, and you look successful, and especially in the church. You could be a leader in the church, but you're giving me the shimmy. You're trying to break my ankles, and I see through every bit of it. It could be, do not be anxious about your life. Whether your retirement portfolio will be enough to retire comfortably. I'm almost 50. You know what that's like watching football and then something, the next commercial comes on? Do you know how much it will take to retire in 2030? Like, ooh, do they have the answer? I'd like to know. And then they, they, 
I'm assuming it's going to be a lot more than what we would ever have, you know? And so I'm already just like, well, again, I can start robbing banks or whatever. And so, so your, your retirement portfolio, someone's screaming at you, there's something to live for. Hey, don't get foolish and get sidetracked on all this stuff. You better start thinking about your retirement. You better start thinking about that. And it's not wrong to think it's wise to think about that. There's some proverbs, but some people, it consumes them. We've got friends who, who literally um, had said, man, um, for each child that we have, we've got five kids. He is an extremely gifted person. And so he says, I have to have fifty to 75,000 stocked away for each child for their college education. Fifty to 75,000. The wife, you make a ton. Can we go on vacation? Can you just come to vacation? I can't. I can't, honey. I've only got three of the kids covered. You're 52. I've got to work my tail off to get the other two. What happens if that kid, you've worked all those years, all those hours, couldn't go on vacation, couldn't open your life up to discipleship and to hospitality and to bringing people into your life and working for the kingdom, but you go to church, you shake hands, you're not committing adultery, you're, you're not doing uh, you know, horrible drunkenness and things like that, but you're, you're, you're caught up pursuing what? Because you have this one goal of fifty to 75000 for each kid, and, and they don't get a dad, they, they get an ATM. Unless you have a heart attack or cancer or a car wreck. They didn't need an ATM. They needed a dad who would train them in the ways of the Lord. So whether it's um, your, your parenting approaches, worrying, are my parenting approaches working? Whether um, your, your body and your health, are, are you secure for years to come? Are you Again, I'm at that stage where you, you can go in any time. I'm like, oh, let's take a look at that. You're, we're going to have to send you to a specialist. And you're like, oh, gosh. That doesn't happen a lot in your 20s, right? And now I have things popping up like weekly where I'm just like, is that going to be a really bad one or is that one going to be like, no, nothing, nothing at all? Could be um, what university that you just want to, you have to send your kids to. So we're in these talks all the time with people around our lives and they're, they're, they're making decisions based off of, well, this set up my kid. You, you don't know your kid's future. You can't force your kid to do that. I mean, you can. I dealt with all the ones that that happened with. It doesn't go well. And so um, you, you work, worry and work and work and work and strategize and plan and plan and work. And Jesus is going, I see it all. Where your treasure is, your heart's been captured. Add any ad or marketing ploy that pops up on your screen. Think through your screen. Think through your television at home, your, your MacBook. What are those ads trying to tell you? This is significant in life. And I'm not saying that they're, they're, they're not. You better be worried now. You, you better be aware of this too. And this too, you need to be extremely concerned about this also. Are you thinking through all of this? And Jesus goes, don't worry about what you have to eat and clothes. That's a radical, radical thought. It's completely countercultural to everything that, that we've been trained to think since we were four and five and six and eight and 12 and 15 and 20. Jesus is challenging this powerful mantra of self-preservation that drives much of what we think about and what we spend our time on. Remember the definition of life, relax, eat, drink, be merry. Jesus is challenging us to realize, yes, you have to have food and clothes. He's not saying that, but the Father knows that. Do you know four weeks from now, the Father does. Do you know four months from now? The Father does. Do you know four years from now? The Father does. And you will wake up. You'll go to work. Some may marry. Some may have kids. Others won't. Some may raise and train their kids, educate them. Some may not. You, you will live in houses or huts. Some will travel. Some will be at home. Some will work remotely. Remember, everyone's really thankful for that right now. Don't mistake that for life. Just when there's something else. Life is not just those things. And so what he's been saying is that there, there's an eternal life. There's something of living for God, being rich for God, living the kingdom life that's not just that stuff. Life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Something much deeper. So do not worry for all the nations of the world. They're, they're seeking after these things. You can see what would be different from someone who has a sovereign, loving, heavenly father. What would be different about you? Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. 
And I know that sounds crazy, and immediately that type of thinking seems impossible and dangerous and naturally causes fears, but fear not, little flock. And remember what he's doing there. Even the words little flock, a handful of disciples in a crowd. If you go back to Luke 12, at the beginning, thousands are gathered, and he's going in the middle of the thousands. Hey, you who are following me, little, tiny flock, that this seems impossible, don't worry. I'm the king. I'm the sovereign God. Little flock, don't worry. Do not fear. Your father wants you to live for the kingdom, and he wants to give it to you. Listen, you're going to get up, and you're going to eat, and you're going to feed yourself and your family and put on clothes and go to jobs and schools and places for entertainment. And again, feeding yourself, you're not going to forget to take care of your most basic instinct. You're not going to go for like four days and drop over, and people go, what happened? And then they take you to the hospital, and you're like, I just forgot to eat for like four days, right? Or you walk out of your house, and you get to work, and everyone's kind of running from you, and they're like, dude, what is going on? We've got Laureate called. We're picking you up. You need to get some clothes on. Like You've just been forgetting to wear clothes. You're going to do that. And Jesus isn't rebuking you for food or rebuking you for clothes or rebuking you for having children or wanting them to be educated or wanting to have a house or wanting to have air conditioning or wanting to have ice, which I love. So I go on top of that list. He's not saying that that's the the issue. Those things are what's evil. But don't give me the shimmy. Don't act like that. That's not what all of your life and all of your heart is being consumed by. And because if you get all that stuff, it feels so good to sit around and let other people look at your life and just envy the power, the success that you've landed. feels so good in our culture. It's a matter of reordering your priorities, keeping in perspective as you do all those things. You're an ambassador for Christ. You're a sojourner that this is a temporary place. This is not your home. We want to be storing up treasure in heaven So just think through this. How much of your time and energy and planning and thinking and laboring are for temporal goals? Think through in a week's time. Stressful day, Monday, come in, but but man, you get home at 5 o'clock, but man, you you really got, you you read one of those commercials about retirement, and man, it's it's January. We need to bump up our 401k a little bit. So maybe, maybe it's not, you're not evil for doing that. I'd say check your heart if you're doing that Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and next week, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And you're not only your 401k, but now you're looking at another way and another way and another way. How much of your time and energy and planning and thinking are all on temporal goals and ends? If it works and you're successful, how similar is it to what Jesus just talked about in verse 20? Today, your soul is required of you. The things that you've been planning and pursuing and laboring for mentally, laboring for physically, trying to, all those things. Whose will they be now? Your soul is required of you. Jesus brings us to to where your treasure is. What you treasure, it's capture your heart. And and, and, in our culture, you can show up here you can even give a check faithfully. You can do that, and you're just doing the shimmy. Because really, your heart is captured in doing these things. It's easy for us to show up. It's easy for us to do these things. It's difficult to live for the kingdom. Being honest, as well, how much of your time and energy and planning and thinking is toward the kingdom, toward things of eternity in a week's time? Sometimes I go upstairs to the boys' rooms, and it may be a Sunday night, and I'll just go, hey, so here's 168 hours this week. How many hours were you thinking about eternity? Just a very legitimate question. How many hours have you been gaming? How many hours have you been um, in education? We can make that our God. How many hours have you been working on sports? Your creator owns you. Be careful. 168 hours, not even an hour of thinking of eternity, not even 30 minutes, not even 20 minutes. I think we better be careful. If you're a grown adult, 
and, and, and you, again, all the time planning and thinking through, just being honest, any chance there's areas where we're giving God the shimmy? How about the theological knowledge shimmy? We read blogs on theological topics. We, we constantly listen to podcasts of our favorite speakers, sometimes hours per day for some people, sometimes hours per week. We read books on discipleship, books on prayer, books on evangelism, books on serving the poor. Well, probably not that one. Books on missional living, but, but we just don't have time to make disciples or time to pray or time to open our lives and share the gospel or time to serve or time to be living with the gospel intentionally. Do we ever give God the shimmy? Great podcast. Have you heard that podcast? Great article I'm going to send you is on the Gospel Coalition. Oh, don't send me that. That's satanic. It's Gospel Coalition. I'll listen to these blogs, podcasts. So see what we do? God sees through it all. Maybe it's the godly stewardship shimmy. We knew a guy, a former place that he, he, you know, he, was, he was kind of the Dave Ramsey badge wearer. And so Dave Ramsey's phenomenal. And all those others, there's probably others now. But I mean, you know, that, you know, had some really great godly principles. The only thing I don't like about it is that that main mantra that, that, that fits into the American thinking that, that, hey, live a certain way now, be pretty tight and greedy so you can live that, oh, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Oh, golly. Jesus knew. Hey, give generously, generously. Well, if, if we do, how are we going to? But we've got to worry about that. Live generously, live generously. Gen- generously, you've been given much more than finances, much more than nice, comfortable, safe places, much more than that. Your soul has been rescued in generosity, recklessly. That's why we sing that word song, reckless love. It seems reckless that God would do this to the 99 who could never deserve it, that he would leave the the 99 and go after the one who desperately doesn't deserve it, and more worship going on in heaven after one who is softened by that and rejoices in in repentance than, than the 99 who are just righteous in their own minds. We had a guy in the church that he was so tied on those things. His wife wanted to have a small group in their home. His wife wanted to open up their house to hospitality and everything. And so he, he, he never could. We could never do that. And she didn't feel comfortable with it because of the, um, the, 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 their house and stuff like that. And so this guy literally like is driving home one day and just sees an old broken down couch on the side of the road and just pulls over and picks up the couch. It's somebody's trash. So he, he literally pulled an Uncle Eddie in, in Christmas vacation. You know, Clark, this is a good piece of furniture here. And so he does that, brings it home she's in tears crying now we're having to counsel them he's going i'm i'm, I'm keeping the list i'm do- man i think that you know clark whoever and dave Ramsey would be proud of me i brought this nice thing in and she's she's crying going i thought we were saving towards getting something where we could have people over it's it's got rips and tears in it there's dog urine all over it why oh gus i'm good i'm doing the right thing godly stewardship in the name of the Lord, focused on these things so much so, but not open to people's lives. The godly parenting shimmy. How much time do we think through that? Anyone concerned about how your kids are going to do? How they're going to turn out? How many books? How many blogs? How many podcasts? How many articles do we read? The godly busyness shimmy. Some people just may be so busy spinning random plates at churches that have all kinds of programs that, again, just busyness, busy, and God, I see through it all. And all these, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not saying that theological content is bad. I'm not saying that, that wise, godly stewardship is bad. I'm not saying godly parenting and researching that and trying to apply those things. I desire and, and want to teach us to, to become faithful in those things, just not to the extent that, that we're thinking that that is exactly the same as the kingdom of life. Because you can do all of those things and still not be expanding the kingdom, still not be living in the kingdom. We, we, we get off. I'm saying sometimes we may use it as a smoke screen, a shimmy to get us out of actually engaging in kingdom work. It can have lots of movements and, and look like that we're engaged in the kingdom, but it actually might only be kingdom work that benefits me and my family. Because that's really what I was after. Hey, Jesus, tell this guy, my brother, give me the inheritance. I see through your heart. It's all about you. Hey, Jesus, tell me which articles to read. Well, my kids are trying really good. It makes me look really, really good if my kids are really, really good. Hey, I see through your heart. 
Hey, I'm just wanting to, I, I, I mean, I'm going to give it to the church, but I mean, I want this list of how I can make sure that we have all this because I've really got this place I want to own later. Hey, I see through the heart. Don't act like it's about the kingdom. You're living for yourself. So if you remember the story about the good Samaritan in Luke 10, remember he said, uh, same question the guy had walked up and said, you know, what, what's the greatest command? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, yeah, you nailed it, man. Let me tell you a little parable. And he goes into the priest. And there's a guy that's beat down and robbed, laying on the side. What does he do? Good, righteous, church attending, church leader, has his theology straight, priest, goes to the other side. Got church work to do. Don't have time for that. The Levite, the guy who studied, knew all the laws and was very, very tight and rigid and his, his list of things that he had to do, the Levites were, were known of handling the worship things and so careful in so many ways, so tedious, so prohibiting. We can't, we can't, we can't do this, can't do that, can't do it. Looks like trouble over there. Don't have time for that. I've got to be about God's business. I'm a good holy person. Let me go over here. And then the Samaritan, which was a slap in the face to them. So whatever that would be. If that to you, if you, if you can't stand Republicans, here comes a Republican. If you, if you can't stand Democrats, if you can't stand liberals, if you can't stand whatever, whatever, that's the enemy, Jesus says, hey, that person, they come. And you know what they did? They went and helped the person who was beat down. They, they did the kingdom work. Which of these three are you more like? The priest, the Levite, or the Good Samaritan? Because Jesus gets really rude. Those confronted words seek his kingdom, sell your possessions, and give to the needy. For where your treasure is, there your heart is. So it's not a suggestion of a potential. It's the true reality that God knows about our heart. If you regard your possessions, your, your life goals, the things that you passionately spend your time thinking on, planning, dreaming about, pursuing, your heart is being owned. And there's not an hour that me driving around here that my heart is torn between brokenness and poverty and mental illness and uh, horrific scenes. And five minutes later, I would kill to have that. Is there any way I could ever have that? I would love to have that, whether it's tires to trucks to pools to houses to vacations to another trip to the security of those things. Just because I'm a pastor, and if, you, if you're looking for someone who goes, oh, I used to, and I would never struggle with those, then you're at the wrong place because I, I, I don't have that strength in me. My heart would want all of those things. And so I'm saying I need Jesus every single day, frustratingly sometimes going, you, you better rescue me from this one because I could give a lot of time to that. I need you to remind me that, that, that this is not what the kingdom is. Now, that may be overwhelming for us. That may be overwhelming to think through. But lift your head as look at this Jesus, the same guy who knows your heart. And this story hits us from 2,000 years ago. And he knew that it wasn't just the guy asking about the inheritance. He knew this is us in 2022. He's not falling for our peekaboo or our shimmy move. The same guy telling the story that brings conviction is the one who rescues you from your sin. The same guy who tells this story to this crowd is going, when I say live for the kingdom, I'm the new king. You can't be in the kingdom if I don't go and die for you. The same guy that tells the story, he knows, he sees the red lights going off in your heart when, when idols are triggered. And, and again, what, what does God do? What does he do about that? What does he do? The Lord is gracious, slow to anger, rich in love. He is good to all. Doesn't give you the consequences that you deserve? Mercy and mercy. He holds back. Even though he sees through. That's his treatment of you because he patiently held back millions of terrifying angels as he purposely had his son slaughtered. That's why you get to pretend and why you get to perform and why you get to give him the shimmy because he sent Jesus down on the cross. We get to still act like we're faking him out. Lots of movements, lots of things. And he, he's just sitting there like a dad, a 50-year-old dad would with a, a two-year-old kid with a ball. 
Like, man, I can swat that in your face any moment. But I'm going to make you think that you're pleasing me. I'm going to tell you that you could have never pleased me. I had to die for this. You, you don't have to shimmy. He frees you from that. Instead, go live for the kingdom. Care more about people and lives and souls and eternal matters. Ten seconds into eternity, what are you going to present to him? Remember Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. God, I just want to seek the kingdom life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. Not just a future state of fully, but like here in this place, in the brokenness of this world, would you allow us to, to live out this kingdom life, a more full, satisfying thing than these things? Maybe 2021 and 2020 and 2019, you just had lists of things trying to satisfy you. New decisions, new directions in life, all these things. And now, now it seems like well, this is just isn't working out. Left unsatisfied. And he's going, have you sought the kingdom? What if he knows what is truly satisfying? So, as we move towards the Lord's Supper, we've looked at this idea of loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I hope that we see how that's tied into love your neighbor as yourself because you love yourself. You will justify a lot when it comes to yourself. Last week, um, we'll look at the next three weeks, we're going to look at some practicals on living out that kingdom life. Um, and that'll be um, these next three weeks about what does that look like now to take this love for God, and now we flowing out of that, we have this love for others, and we say, yes, my yes is on the table for living for the kingdom. Now, what would that look like? Are there some other things that kind of get in the way of that as we go to the practicals of that? So I want you to take some time. Rack comes up. He's going to lightly play some music. I want you to take some time just to ask the Lord if there are ways that you're really trying to break his ankles, trying to give him the shimmy, make it look like a lot of good movement, but at the core heart. And it's, it's just, I'm just trying to live life the way I want it. I'm seeking the things that I want. I spent hours and hours pursuing, thinking through, strategizing, planning, and none of that is for lost souls. None of that is for the kingdom. None of that is about getting my life into these people. So I'm going to give you a few moments as Brad strums, then we'll come back and pray.